the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So here's the drill. You get up. You try and get the kids ready. You've got to get yourself ready. Usually there's an argument or two along the way, only to find yourself rushing to church because you're late. Pretty much sums up most of our experiences on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? Is that a real preparation for worship, though? That's the question we ask next on Abounding Grace. Join us. I think if we're honest with one another, we all struggle in preparing for worship, especially Sunday mornings. It seems to be a hassle and just a real hard time. Satan loves to get his hooks and claws into us, especially on a Sunday morning, right? But there is a preparation for worship that we should be looking at, and that is what we're going to do today and tomorrow as we turn our attention to our series called Worship. Join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I started this series on worship because I'm concerned about how the church in general is so nonchalant in its public worship of such a great and awesome God. And the fact that maybe even some of us are as well. I confess, I certainly have been. During my studies for this series, I have come to realize how truly important worship is to God and how essential it is to the health of our church and we as individuals. And I hope that my feeble attempt to express the importance that Scripture puts on this subject will bring you to a better understanding of worship and a heightened desire to give God the honor do unto his name. It is my goal to call each of us and the church as a whole to a deeper reverence for God. As I've said on several occasions, and I do so because I am truly convicted of this, as I hope you will be, what we do now is the most important thing we do all week, bringing corporate praise and honor to our great Creator and Redeemer. And this brings us to a brief review of the last few weeks. We have seen that worship of God is the ultimate priority of all creation. There is nothing more important to God than His worship or that He be worshipped. Everything that God does, He does for His sake. And the most noble act of which any of us is capable is the worship of God. You will never do anything in your life more significant than what you are doing right now if you are worshiping God as He demands. We all long for a sense of greatness. We all long for a sense of heroics. Some of my favorite movies deal with great acts of heroics. 
men who rise above the ordinary drudgery of life and who with great sacrifice give themselves to noble causes, such as in the movie Braveheart. Oftentimes, it seems to us, we trudge along day after day in what we would consider meaningless work, while we dream of doing something great with our lives and die a hero. Do you remember Mel Gibson portraying William Wallace at the end of Braveheart? As he is being tortured to death, he cries out with his dying breath, Freedom! Many of us long for such heroics. Well, my friends, there is nothing you will ever accomplish. Whether you find a cure for cancer, or if you individually stop the war in the Middle East, or find a great new inexhaustible source of energy, those things will only be secondary to what you are doing here right now. You can never do anything as a human being that will ever have greater significance than worshiping God as He demands to be worshipped. So how can your life be significant? How can your life be meaningful? Well, whether you are a blue-collar laborer or a white-collar executive, whether you are building beautiful homes or skyscrapers, Whatever it is that God has called you to, that will always be less important than what you are doing right here now. Now with that in mind, we come to the subject of preparation for worship. Not only is the worship of God the ultimate priority, not only do we worship God because He deserves it, because He is God and because He demands it, and not only do we find that worship is unacceptable to God when sin separates man from man or man from God. But if the act of worshiping God is indeed the most noble act of which man is capable, then great preparation should go into it. It is a sign of our low esteem for worship that we spend so little time, if any at all, in preparing for it. Now, I won't ask any of you to show hands or for any of you to recite your Sunday routine. But think back over today, before you came here. What was involved in you getting ready for worship spiritually? How much time did you spend getting yourself ready to meet a holy God and giving Him the reverence He is due? For most people... That involves getting up, having breakfast, reading the newspaper, showering, getting on some new clothes. And in our case, since we meet later than most churches, possibly curling up with a good book, watching a little TV, running errands, etc., and then trying to be here on time. And we think that's okay. And all the preparation we need to meet our great God. I mean, we made it to church, didn't we? Let me read you a quote from a great 18th century Scottish theologian named John Willison, who wrote a 500-page treatise on worship and the Sabbath. He said, 
if we consider the nature of our Sabbath work and our unfitness for it, preparation for it will be found very needful. We are upon this day to make solemn and near approaches to that God who is of glorious spirit and to hold communion with him, him who is infinitely holy. And is it not very necessary then that we who are naturally carnal and much involved in worldly business throughout the week should endeavor to abstract our thoughts from earthly things that we may draw near to so great a God upon this holy day? For holy performances, God requires us to make holy preparations. When Christ prepares a table before thee in the gospel and furnishes it with all the dainties of heaven, pardon, peace, love, grace, and eternal life, should you not empty your stomach, cleanse your heart, adorn your soul, and make ready to feast with your great Redeemer? Unquote. Now that's a penetrating question. Well, we want to look today at what is involved, not only in the why of preparation, but the how of preparation. So first of all, why prepare for worship? Number one, because the sanctity of worship demands that we prepare for it. Turn to Exodus 19, verses 9 through 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now notice what has happened here. The people before God was to come meet with them were to be consecrated inside and cleansed outside. And he even says, I want you to take the next two days to do that, because on the third day I will come to meet with you. Consecrating themselves on the inside and cleansing themselves on the outside in this instance took two days so they could meet with God for one day. Now, there is certainly no need to formalize this and say we need to spend twice as long preparing for worship as we spend in worship. But to my thinking, that's not too bad of an idea. But in this instance, when God said, I am going to meet with the people, he said two things. Make sure they are clean on the inside and make sure they are clean on the outside. So our ritual of simply bathing and putting on clean, smart clothes is only a minuscule part of preparing for worship. And running errands or sitting in front of the TV or the computer screen may not be the best way for us to spend our preparatory time. Now turn, if you will, to First Chronicles, First Chronicles 22.5. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, 
And the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceedingly, exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. David prepared abundantly before his death. Preparation for what? David made ample preparation to build the house of the Lord. Now my question is this. If great preparation was made to build the house of God, shall not greater preparation be made to worship in the house of God? You may be saying that to build the house of God, great preparation needs to be made. They need plans and meetings with architects and buying materials and hiring workers. So, of course, it does take great preparation to build such an edifice. But why should we think that it takes more important preparation than coming to meet the great king who comes there to be honored? In 1 Chronicles 22:19, we read this. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. This is a common phrase in the Old Testament. And it can actually be read this way. Give of yourself to seek the face of God. Give your whole being to this task. And later in Job, we are going to see that the same word for set is translated prepared. And it could read, prepare your heart and soul. It is the same Greek word for set. In our preparation for worship, we are to give of our heart and soul. We are to prepare our heart and our soul to seek God in His house. And it is the sanctity of worship that demands that we do that. Secondly, the purity of worship demands preparation. We looked at this passage last week, but let's visit it once again today. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. And the psalmist asks, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Brothers and sisters, there is only one person who has any business here in God's corporate worship, and that is the person in verse 4. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, he who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. What does it mean to seek the face of God? Simply it means to worship him as he commands. And only. The person who has clean hands and a pure heart can do that rightly. So if our hands are not clean when we come here, brethren, and if our heart is not pure when we come here, we will not receive a blessing from the Lord, and we certainly cannot say that we are of that generation that seeks Him. Yet we have been commanded to seek Him. He says, set your heart and soul to seek the Lord. And we do that by purification. Let's look at 1 Peter. If you remember from our recent study there, that Peter tells us we are to put aside all maliciousness and all guile 
and all hypocrisy, all envy, and all slander. And then, as newborn babes, we are to long for the pure milk of the Word. But that desiring can only take place after. Now notice the context. After we have put aside all these relational sins, only then are we able to long for the pure milk of His Word. In Isaiah chapter 1, which we read earlier, God said, Who required of you this trampling of my courts? And that question came after he told us that we are not to come into his sanctuary sinful. You may say, how can we be anything but sinful? Well, there is a difference between being sinful in the sense that we are sinful creatures and a completely different sense in that we come here laden down with sins that we have not taken care of before we came into this room. Now, we have talked about that in the context of relationships, but we must also talk about it in context of just our hearts. Listen again to Isaiah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? I have had enough of burnt offerings. I take no pleasure in your sacrifices. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Now get this from the mouth of God. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. That is absolutely incompatible with true worship. Now I hope you begin to understand what I mean when I talk about preparation for worship. A great portion of your preparation for worship should be taken up in meditation, reflection, and purification. Prayer and confession of sin, making relationships right with one another, and especially within our own families. We find in Leviticus chapter 16 that Aaron, the priest, had to cleanse himself before he was allowed to approach God. We find in Psalm 26.6 that David had to cleanse his hands before approaching the altar. We find in 2 Timothy 2.22 that we must flee from loss before we can pursue righteousness. And then in the book of James 1.21 we read, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness or continuing evil, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. You see, before we are able to receive anything from this message, before we can receive anything from the Word as it is preached, we must come to it with clean hands and a pure heart, or we will not have the humility that God requires before His Word can take effect in us. We must be clean before that can happen. What good does it do to put the pure Word of God into your heart that is black from unrepentant sin? They are incompatible. Again, God says, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. In Second Chronicles 29, 5, God commands, Sanctify now yourselves. So again, we see we are to purify ourselves. And then secondly, he says, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. So we are not only to purify ourselves, but we are to cleanse the house of God. 
How are we to do that? God says, carry the filthiness out of the holy place. That's how we do it. Worship God only by the means He has described in His Word. And how do we sanctify ourselves for worship? We deal with the sin in our lives. We confess the sin. We repent of the sin. We restore our relationships that have been broken. We make right that which we have made wrong. That's how we purify ourselves. So how do we purify God's house? Don't bring uncleanness into the holy place to begin with. And if you already have, get rid of it. What good would it do to come to a place we call a sanctuary, which is a form of the word sanctify, which is to set apart something from a common use to a sacred use or a holy use if we bring in our filthiness? There is nothing sacred about the stained glass. There is nothing sacred about the walls. There is nothing sacred about this pulpit. What there is, is sacred use of these things. The building is sacred only in the sense that we have set this place aside for this time so that we can worship God. That is the only thing that makes this place special. Otherwise, it is just boards, brick, and stucco. But in our minds and in our hearts, I believe we see it as more than that. Some of us have come to saving faith in a church, and a majority of us have been baptized in the church and had our children baptized in a church. So the church is something special to us sentimentally. R.C. Sproul was asked by a brass young seminary student one day, why the big deal about using bread and wine in the Lord's Supper? Why don't we just use graham crackers and Coca-Cola? And R.C. said, young man, because Jesus Christ never instituted graham crackers and Coca-Cola. We see the elements as something special. Even though we don't believe in transfiguration, that the wafer and the wine literally become the physical body and blood of Jesus Christ. But when we partake in our minds, they become something special, don't they? And that's why the way most of us feel about the church. Yet there is a large group of our brethren who think nothing of how they dress or the way they behave or whether they even come here to worship on time. And we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the propriety of worship. But this is indeed a sacred place when it is used rightly for the worship of God. God meets us here, brothers and sisters. So we sanctify ourselves to God, and we sanctify the house of God by cleansing ourselves before we come into this place to worship. The 17th century Puritan George Swinnick asked this question. Suppose you are a person of great quality and estate, and the king were to send you word that you would dine, that he would dine with you tomorrow. What preparation would you make? What if someone you held in high esteem was to come to your home? What preparation would you then make? Sinwick goes on, Would not your first thing be to clean your house, sweep out the dirt, mop the floors, bring out your best plates, put on your best clothes? 
Would you not endeavor to have everything suitable to such a great personage? I tell you, the great king of all the world gives you notice this day in his word that on such a day, the Sabbath, he intends to dine with you. Can you do less than clean out the dust of sin, wash the room of your heart clean, and adorn it with the graces of the Holy Ghost? Truly, unless this is done, Christ will not think himself welcome. Nay, all the pretended entertainment will not only be unworthy of, but provoking to so jealous and glorious a king. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 40 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.